It ain't the left side or the right side. Then it must be the fence side. Thank you, Solo D. Welcome to another episode of On the Fin Side here with Kat and Paul. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. And tonight we have a special guest with us, Ken Marangolo. He is the CEO of First Amendment Sports, and he also writes for uh, Hog Haven for the Washington Redskins as well. So, Ken, thank you very much for joining us here tonight. As you know, we've got the Battle of the Titans this weekend, the 0-5 Redskins against the 0-5 Miami Dolphins. Something's got to give, Cat. Something's got to give. Uh, I, um, I and I believe one of us will be giving the other uh, that that first win. Uh, and, and who's to say? I mean, there's a lot of history involved. I'll, be, I'll, I'll of course be tuning in to find out, but at the same time, I think it might just be you and me watching this game. It, it might be. I mean, I I think ticket sales are about as low as they would be for the Miami zoo right now for this whole game. So, yeah, you know, we're, we're both in the same spot. Let's be honest. I mean, you know, with the Redskins, obviously a lot has gone on. I mean, we feel like actually the normal team this week, when we look at Washington, they fired Jay Gruden, Bill Callahan was promoted. You know, there's a lot of talk this week and just stories tend to come out about Daniel Snyder, how he prefers to be called Mr. Snyder in, in certain situations. You've got the quarterback controversy where, you know, they start out with Case Keenum, they go to Dwayne Haskins, then to Colt McCoy, then back to Case Keenum. So what is the overall feeling with the Redskins right now based on things you've you've heard and you've experienced? Yeah, I mean, I've been, you know, covering this team pretty closely for 10 years now. Uh, and, uh, you know, I've had a chance to interview Snyder. I've had a chance to be up close and personal, um, you know, with members of the franchise. And it, it, they really succeeded in making us feel like we had gotten away from this dysfunction uh, and chaos. That is totally, uh, you know, unnecessary and, um, you know, and, and escapable in professional sports. And Dan Snyder uh, fails on a, on a regular basis um, to escape it. And, and, you know, I think what we are this week, um, where we've really been now for a few weeks, is uh, back mired in, in, in this dysfunction. And, you know, the Washington Redskins, we were talking about on my show this week, we, we just can't, even when we try to do something like a normal team would do, you know, you're, you're bad, and you fire the head coach, that happens. That happens in every professional sport. Um, mm-hmm. But the way the Redskins, do it is it's like it's like a bad sitcom like we can't just get rid of a guy because it's the right thing to do at the right time for both the coach and the team and that would have been about a month ago or even before the season started because there was no mystery about whether or not jay was going to survive this even jay thought he was going to be fired before but we always have to take it to the point where something stupid has to happen to cause the, the right thing to go down, and, and it, it's, it goes over and over again. Jim Zorn calling the swinging gate two times in a row against the New York Giants, uh, which was a big middle finger to Dan Snyder. That was ultimately what had you know was able to get him fired. Dan Snyder's inability to quit Vinny Serrato was the reason why Marty Schottenheimer was ultimately fired. Uh, uh, Spurrier quitting from the golf course. Um, you know Joe Gibbs throwing his hands in the air. Um, you know. This Jay Gruden thing, Jay Gruden, Jay Gruden was fired 
already, but he was just like still in the job. It was like, it's like this dead man walking thing. It happens over and over. And, you know, for, for the Washington Redskins fan base, we're desperate yeah. for some normalcy. We're desperate. That's what yeah, we are. One player, one player that has been normal for the Redskins really over the last four years and somebody that a lot of Dolphins fans are already talking about because we've got an eye on 2020 is right guard Brandon Scherf. And Brandon Scherf is going to be a free agent after the year, as you know. And word is that he turned down a $13 million contract from the Redskins. What is your feeling about whether or not the Redskins are going to be able at the end of the day to get him back? And do you think that what type of impact could he make if he leaves? What kind of impact could he make on a team like the Dolphins? Well, first of all, he's an all-pro style player. He's, he, was, he was immediately a top-level guard. Um, you know, we drafted him in the top ten. Everyone was all banged up about that. You can't do this. You can't do that. Well, he came right in right away and was excellent. One of the best players on our team. Um, and so wherever he goes, he's going to play well. And this is another classic case of where the Redskins have been. What we thought we were getting away from is the ability to keep talent in-house. You know, the word on the street is they offered him a pretty good deal. And he didn't sign it right away. And I think, you know, the Redskins, the only chance they have to keep guys like Brandon Sheriff, you know, at this point is to overpay them. And the problem for the Redskins is they have $161 million next year committed, much of it to guys who aren't going to play for us. Uh, I don't see Brandon Sheriff coming back to Washington. If the Miami Dolphins are lucky enough to get him, he's plug and play at an all-pro level. So, I mean, at any team – would be lucky, lucky to have him uh, on their offensive line. He's an excellent player. Uh, he fights hard, and, you know, he just makes you better. And it's a shame that um, if the Washington Redskins, you know, can't keep a guy like that that they invested so heavily in. Um, and, and, and you know what? The good the thing that, you know, I'll say if the Miami Dolphins are lucky enough to get him, I don't think he's the kind of player who will stay to be overpaid. I think he wants to go somewhere that, that where, where the business is operated, you know, in a – in a, in a freaking normal way. And, like, you know, we're, we're like, up is up and down is down, you know. And, mm-hmm. and I think guys like him, guys like him are trying to escape, in my personal opinion. Yeah, and it depends on what the Dolphins have to offer a player like that other than money heading into next year. But let's yep. turn it a little more positive here for the Redskins. I mean, at quarterback, uh, Case Keenum is going to start this game. He had yep. seven touchdowns in his first three-and-a-half games before Dwayne Haskins came in and, you know, just an ugly game against the Giants. They were looking okay. It really happened to halftime of the Patriots game there. And then it was a terrible second half. The Patriots just kept leaning, leaning, leaning on them more, beat them 33-7. to But really, as when I look at this roster, Terry McLaurin, the wide receiver, third-round pick out of Ohio State, you may be looking at, at this point in the year, a possible rookie of the year candidate for the Redskins. We were on him the second we drafted him. You know, it was the story on him when the Redskins drafted McLaurin was that, you know, he was kind of a – we had already got Haskins from Ohio State, and they went after McLaurin because, you know, maybe you can get yourself a guy who has some chemistry with your franchise, potential franchise quarterback. He, um, he was a guy who uh, was brought in to play special teams, he was, and he was a leader. You know, and I think going into the combine, if you go go a little bit further back, Terry McLaurin showed up at the combine really as as not a top top line guy. Uh, he was scouts liked him because they knew 
the story of him, you know, a, a high character leader of, of a team uh, with, a, with a lot of toughness and strength. And then he, you know, he ran a four three eight forty, and he and he blew people away and with his physical measure, you know, measurables. He shouldn't have been drafted in the third round. Someone should have got him at least in the second. He's a stud. Uh, Yes, and yeah, and and I was surprised to see him fall to the third round there too. And yeah, he's he's a player that that looks like he's going to be a for the a Redskins team that spent so much money on receivers over the years. I don't have to remind you the Santana Mosses, the Lavernius Coles, Pierre Garcons, these type of guys to really get one in the third round and have him you know hit the thousand yard mark, which is well within reach, would be oh, yeah. major for them uh, your offensive line we talked a little bit about Brandon Sheriff and obviously that's been another story this year Trent Williams did not report is still not playing at this point because of a discrepancy to my understanding with the Redskins medical staff and he felt like he was being lied to you can correct me on that and then Donald Penn they sign and I it looks like he's pretty iffy for this game at that left tackle spot so without Williams without Donald Penn are we going to see Eric Flowers kick over the left tackle, or are we going to see Jerron Christian get the start here? I'm sure they would like to uh, see what Jerron Christian can do at, at, at tackle. That's why he was brought in uh, when they drafted him. Uh, a lot of times you draft a guy like that in that position, you're going to try to kick him into guard. Uh, but Jerron Christian is a tackle prospect. They like him. I'd be shocked if they didn't try to see what he can give, give them on the left side. As far as Trent Williams is concerned, it's again the best player on our entire roster will not play for for this team, um, and and Trent Williams is a so he is our best player. He's been our best player for a long time. He showed up injured. He's played hurt. Uh, his, his teammates will will do anything for him. Uh, the fact that he isn't going to show up for Dan Snyder and Bruce Allen is really all you need to know. Um, you know, uh, with the shape of things, and, and you know, I gotta believe that you know that's another another guy that a, a team like you know Miami or, or any other team is chomping at the bit to get a chance to add. I don't think he'll never play for the Redskins again. Trouble. Interesting, and yeah, he's 32 years old. Be interesting where he lands when this all gets figured out on the yep. defensive side of the ball, Ken. You know things get a little bit a little bit better. I mean, even though the Redskins are averaging or allowing somewhere around a little over 30 points a game on the defensive side of the ball, this was a talented group coming into this year, at least on the front seven. When you look at the defense, do you think the points they've let up and the quarterback rating of 110 to opposing quarterbacks they've let up? Do you think this has? to do with the talent level on defense, or do you think the amount of points that they've really let up has more to do with the offense being so inept for the Redskins the first five weeks? Yeah, so our offense, the first in the initial weeks, our offense moved the ball, racked up yards. Case Keenum was one of the lead leaders. Um, but what we saw was the other team got starting field position. Uh, they didn't have to work that hard. Mitch Trubisky for the Bears, for example, came in as, as you know, eight not looking too hot, uh, and we gave him the ball inside the 20, I think twice right away, uh, made him feel real good about himself. I think that is part, part to do with it. Uh, I, I think it's so shocking to me how poorly our defense is played because that is supposed to be our strength and our identity. 
young talents. Um, and I, I it's, it's shocking to me uh, to see, for example, Josh Norman get beat as badly as he's gotten beat. Um, you know, he's not what he once was, but he, he's getting beat. Uh, no Ruben Foster, you know, hurts. You know, obviously that's a big linebacker in the middle that, that could potentially have done some, some good things for us. But uh, it is I, it is kind of, um, you know, it's, it's beyond a head scratcher because, you know, you look at what we have and it, it's, when you talk, you're talking about something that's equal to far less than the sum of these parts. Yeah, and when I look at the defensive back spot, and I only mentioned PFF on this show as a rule when something really jumps off the page, the, yep. they rank Josh Norman and Fabian Moreau very low. Quentin Dunbar, they give extremely high marks this season. Tell us a little bit more about him at that corner spot. So he's fun, and he's from down your way. He's the University of Florida Gator. He's a wide receiver. Uh, Jake Gruden got his hands on him. He's got some size and athleticism. And they, they said, hey, listen, you know, we need a corner. We, we need you to, to try that. And in training camp in a preseason a few years back, he made a successful transition to defensive back. Uh, places like PFF love him uh, because he gets his hands on, on the ball, you know, first and foremost. He has a, a kind of a, a thinks like a wide receiver kind of mentality, which I think helps him. Uh, he can he can absolutely go up and get the ball. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I think – What's the most ironic thing of all is a guy who was a wide receiver in college, converted a defensive back to help us out, is is the guy that teams are thinking twice about throwing to, and they're throwing to our $15 million corner over on the other side of Josh Norman, you know, at will. Um, Dunbar's getting respect uh, in a way that I think uh, people didn't expect to see. Uh, and it's fun because you want to have good players on your team, but it's a little bit laughable that <laughs> You know, he is playing at the level he's playing at, uh, and they're using, you know, a guy like Norman on the other side of the field. Yeah, so you've got Norman out there in the boundary, and you've got uh, Fabian Moreau in there. You've got Quentin Dunbar well, out lost, there. Bit... What's that? I lost Fabian Moreau. He, he fell to us in the draft. He was a college injury. The Redskins have had success finding guys in the draft who, you know, are coming off an injury. Kendall Fuller, Fabian Moreau are two good examples. Um, and they, uh, you know, Moreau is, he also has size and athletic ability. Um, you know, he has to put it together. He's got to take it to the next step. I mean, he was a first round caliber selection that we, that, that fell to us. Um, and he's got to put, put it back together. But, you know, yeah, like you said, you know, we have, we got horses and they're just not, they're just not running. So at the defensive back spot, who is the one that lines up in the slot the most? Jimmy Moreau lines up a lot there. Quentin Dunbar does. I mean, I, Jimmy Moreland, the rookie, um, has has taken some snaps there. Uh, DeShazer Everett, I believe, has taken some snaps there. I mean, you're going to have Josh Norman is going to be out wide, and Quentin Dunbar is going to be out wide. I think Fabian Moreau ends up taking a lot of slot corner um, snaps, uh, and and that I mean that's to me that's like one of the hardest jobs in pro sports to cover the slot receiver in, in today's NFL. So. You know, good luck to him. But I think uh, I think Fabian Moreau needs to be that guy. Yeah, and one of the more interesting matchups in this game, the Dolphins are expected to get Albert Wilson back. He should be playing a lot of snaps there in the slot. We should expect to see, in that case, Moreau and Albert Wilson lined up a lot. It'll be an interesting matchup with Josh Norman, 
and Quentin Dunbar on the outside against Preston Williams and Devontae Parker. So, it, yeah. again, these inner these AFC-NFC matchups, a lot of times they, they don't see each other very often. So we'll, we'll see who ends up winning those battles. It seems like a pretty even matchup at this point. But another player, Ken, too, I was thinking about, uh, the Redskins were lucky to, to trade back up into the first round to get him. A player that a lot of fans thought the Dolphins were going to take with the 13th overall pick, and that was Montez Sweat. You know, obviously a freak athlete at that outside linebacker spot. Uh, ran a 4-4 flat. The Dolphins can't rush the passer, so he or Brian Burns really would have looked good at that spot, even though we like Christian Wilkins a lot. How's Montez Sweat doing here after the first couple of games? Well, the good news is um, he's playing. I think any time a guy falls like that, you know, he's supposed to be a top-10 pick. I know we looked at him, uh, you know, right around that Haskins slot. Uh, I wanted Brian Burns myself. Um, you know, you worry, why is he falling? Is he going to be able to play? I think he was a little nicked up, uh, but he's playing. So that's step one. He's getting, he's getting stats, he's getting experience. He, uh, he has gotten to the quarterback. Um, he has caused some disruption uh, in the backfield. I, I like his progress. I mean, I think, you know, you can't teach those measurables. Uh, you can't coach them. So, you know, if you can, you know, you bring him in as, as, a, as a rookie. And, and you know this, Kat, some, some of the, you know, the real benefit in this league is getting production out of guys on rookie contracts. Um, and if you can do that well in the NFL, your team's probably going to be good. Um, and those first and second rounders, if they're playing well for the length of their rookie deal, uh, you have a real chance. And Montez Sweat is a guy who can give us a ton of value um, out of the bottom of the first round, you know, that, that first round salary. Uh, I, I'm excited about him, um, you know, in our defense for three years to come. Uh, he's a player. Well said. And, yeah, that's what I liked really up front about the Redskins' two first-round picks is if you can nail that quarterback and nail that pass rusher with the first two picks – and they're on rookie contracts, man, you've got, you've got something you can build around and now you can yep. spend some money on those other positions. Um, anybody else on the offensive or defensive side of the ball, maybe Dolphins fans don't quite know and should know. Yeah. You know, uh, our wide receiver core led by Terry McLaurin is, is, is extremely young and uh, you know, Trey Quinn, Mr. Irrelevant, he was the, you know, he, Doing it, no hitter in the Little League World Series. He was the led led the nation in, in uh, receiving in high school and in college. Uh, his year at SMU was legendary. Um, he's he's our slot guy. If he can if he can get something going, you know, Trey Quinn, number eighteen, he's a guy to watch. And you know, on defense, you know, Darren Payne and Jonathan Allen in, in the middle. Those guys are good. I mean, those. Jonathan Allen is a name that, if he was on a different team, he would probably be on, you know, uh, commercials. You know, he's if the Redskins' record with and without Jonathan Allen is staggering. It's ridiculous how much worse we are when he's off the field. And in fact, to answer, you know, even better, one of your first questions, Cat, part of the defensive um, failure of the Washington Redskins, it it, it happened when he went out of the game, he missed a couple games for us at the beginning of the season and our numbers fell out, you know, fell through the floor. And that's been the case for the last couple of seasons with him. We're, we're actually one of the top, you know, defenses against the run and, and our numbers look great. And without him, it, it looks like, uh, 
you know, they just threw helmets and pads on the Washington Generals. <laughs> yeah, and I, we kind of feel the same way about two players we like, which are Christian Wilkins and Davin Gotcha, where, you know, yeah. if you're not on a playoff team and you play this 3-4 style of defense where largely their job is to tie up blocks. I mean, I'm not saying that's all they do, but their, their job is to command double teams. Then they don't get those 10, 11, 12 sack numbers that these other players in the NFL do. So, yeah, Deron Payne, Jonathan Allen, both former Alabama Crimson Tide stars, and, yeah, just very good, solid, a solid double pick for the, uh, you know, in, in baseball terms, they hit a solid double with those picks, someone to really build around there going forward. So I'll open it up to you there, Ken. You know, we the, the Redskins picks second in the draft if it were held today. Dolphins pick third. We're both 0-5. What questions may Redskins fans have for Dolphins fans? I mean, are you guys, are you guys hell-bent on a quarterback out of next year's draft at this point? My answer is yes. I think my co-host may disagree with that a little bit. Uh, but, look, if if we're in a situation where the Dolphins accidentally win a couple of games here, I mean, they play the Jets twice, they've got the Redskins, the Giants, the Bengals, they've, they've got some winnable games in the future. If they go 3-13, and 13, they may end up picking fourth in the draft. I still think they're only going to win a game or two and end up with the number one pick. But if that were the case, I think they do have the ammunition to move up and offer a very sexy package to the Redskins if they're ending ending up picking number one. I guess the other question to throw it back at you is, you know, if the Redskins, let's say, for example, have the number one pick in the draft and Dwayne Haskins is on the roster, obviously a lot of balls up in the air. Is it possible they stay at number one and take a player like Tua, if he's available at that spot. Well, obviously he will be he's number one, but is that possible they would pull the plug on Haskins after a year, like the Cardinals did with Josh Rosen? Yeah, I mean that, that's the thing. So we're changing head coaches. So you know, kind of, I would say all bets are off. Dan Snyder likes Dwayne Haskins, so my 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 guess is they're they're kind of pot committed to to the Ohio State quarterback. I want to make sure I'm expressing the proper amount of disrespect for Bruce Allen. Um, on this interview because, uh, you know, he's a disaster. He's ultimately in charge of this. Uh, he has to go. And, you know, if that if, we, if we're changing over front office and sideline people, then you got to – at least you have the ability to pull off a, a bluff and make people think you're going to go quarterback because, you know, the Redskins – you know, the, the, cat, the other thing about this is we're going to still be paying Alex Smith next year. We, we owe him another $20 million next year guaranteed playing again you know for the rest of his life so we have all kinds of all kinds of problems at, yeah, at the quarterback spot and you know so I think there's nobody on our roster really except for maybe one or two or three guys tops that I wouldn't be willing to you know to get rid of get to back pieces uh, and assets and I think um, I'm a Trevor Lawrence guy I, I'm, all, I'm all in on figuring out a way to get him in two years um, so that makes me a not not a Dwayne Haskins guy. He, he, Dwayne Haskins, just for the record, he's a gifted athlete. He absolutely can play this professional game. Um, I think he's going to be just fine. But you know, he could just be yet another guy that gets ruined by the Redskins, um, and you know, because that happens. And I and I hope that doesn't happen for him. 
but I, I hope that with the, if the Redskins are sitting at the top of that draft next year, I hope that people will actually believe uh, and that the Redskins are, are messed up enough to, to gamble on Tua or, who, you know, whoever is, is that top quarterback by the time it's all said and done um, so that we can get those, those, those picks. Um, Kat, I am – I've yeah. I really – I'm like at the end of my wits on this one because, because I guess the last my last real thought is that I'm, I'm interested to know what you think as a as a Dolphins fan. You know we're not one player away. You know we're not we're not two players away, and that's what they're trying to sell us right now. Uh, you know in, in the press, you know from the front office, and mm-hmm. and so my my worry is if we're drafting number one overall, you know they're going to go all in on a guy and try and tell us, well, yep, here we go, we got our guy. Super Bowl. Right. Um, My opinion is if the Redskins end up picking first and the Dolphins end up picking third or fourth, the Dolphins are going to get that quarterback. If you listen to what Steve Ross said after the 2018 season, it was, we need to get a quarterback and we need to take a step back. And if we need to be bad for a year or two, I'm paraphrasing here, um, then we're going to do that. So in that situation, given the Redskins cap hell, I think they could move back a couple spots, and I think the Dolphins would gladly give up a first and a second round pick, and probably more for that swap. Uh, and I yep. think that would set the Redskins up in a good position because my projection, my guess is that with Daniel Snyder liking Haskins and wanting Haskins so much, he's probably going to base his head coach search around who can work and who likes Dwayne Haskins. Ah, uh, but Kat, there you, there's the problem. You're assuming. Uh, that these people think rationally and make good decisions. <laughs> um, we, we, we've, we've been down this road multiple times now. We did it with RG3. Uh, they couldn't find a coach. You know, they, they basically, for, for, first of all, they brought in Mike Shanahan, you know, uh, potentially a Hall of Fame coach, and they who, who told the Redskins organization in no uncertain terms, I want Kirk Cousins. I can build an offense around Kirk Cousins. I can, and we don't have to, we, we can get him in the third round. Um, and they went ahead and made the deal with the Rams to get RG3. Uh, Shanahan was miserable, and he got chased out. When they hired the next guy, they hired someone to work with RG3. Well, that didn't go so hot um, because the guy that came in only wanted to work with Kirk Cousins. That's Jay Gruden. Um, I think the, what you've laid out is a plan that would sh- that should be executable and workable in, in the NFL. Uh, and time, time again – you know, time and time again, these guys just don't do it. I mean, they it's like how hard is it to ask a potential coach candidate, hey, do you like this quarterback? Can you build an offense around him, and, and would you? And, and, and I'm like, do they not even ask these? Like, who's in charge of HR? You know, it's Redskins. They can't even, like, ask simple questions like this. You know, I think a lot of our listeners are hearing some overlap, what we've been thinking here as Dolphins fans with our front office for the last several years. I mean, there was – you know, Jeff Ireland and Tony Sperano were here at the same time, and then you fire Tony Sperano, and then you, you know, you bring in Joe Philbin, and you you force him to work with Jeff Ireland. Then you blame Ireland. We've we've seen, I think maybe on a little bit less of a scale, kind of that that dysfunction that that you're alluding to. So it's interesting to hear that from a team completely in the other conference. So Ken, finally. Uh, as we do with all our guests, what is your prediction for this game? And a second part to that question is, do you want to win this game for the Redskins? Or are you kind of in that tank mindset that a lot of us Dolphins fans are? So I'm anti-tank. 
I root for a win every Sunday. You know, I, I wake up on Sunday morning and I go look at my six-year-old daughter and I say, guess what day it is? And she says, oh, geez. And I say, it's fo- it's Sunday. It's football. <laughs> we get excited and we watch the Redskins and we cheer for them. I want to see a win. You know, our team is young, you know, and, and our team is full of guys from places like Alabama. These players are not used to losing. We cannot afford – um, you know, to subject them to a losing culture. We'll lose an entire batch of players all over again. So I am rooting for wins. Um, I don't mind drafting in the middle of the first round. I always think you get fine players there. And I think that the Redskins are very capable of of winning this game in spite of themselves. You know, so, Kat, I will predict a win for the Redskins. I'll predict that the Redskins are able to put up some points. Uh, I'm going to say uh, – 34 to 17 uh, Redskins. I think Terry McLaurin's going to have a great day. I think our defense is going to have a great day. Um, and then I think the Redskins are going to try to jam. I told you so down our throats because they, you know, because of this game, uh, and it's going to be miserable. Uh, and then, you know, the rest of the season is going to be terrible, but um, you know, but Kat, I so respect the Dolphins. I love that Laramie Tansel trade. I love the commitment to rebuilding. It's obvious that it's, it's, hey, this is what we're doing. I wish the Redskins were that serious about it. Um, so my hat is tipped uh, to, to, to the, the, the Dolphins, and I, I envy you as a fan um, because you at least see they're, they're actually super serious about what they're doing. Uh, and, I, I, you know, I, I want that. I would, I would love to have that. Well, I'll tell you, it doesn't make Sundays any better right now. That that's for yeah. sure. It's it's especially when you're, you know, at the sports bar decked out in your Dolphins gear and uh, doing a show at the end of the night, trying to patch together some promising things. But we really appreciate you being on here, uh, Ken. You can follow uh, Ken Mar- uh, Ken Marangolo at, and he is the CEO of First Amendment Sports. He also contributes to Hog Haven as well. Join him on Twitter, too. Probably the greatest Twitter handle. It's Raining Ken. So yeah. give him a follow as well for some great Redskins insight. Ken, thanks for joining us here tonight. Hey, best of luck to you guys the rest of the way. Can't wait to talk to you guys again. Absolutely. And that will do it for our breakdown of the Redskins-Dolphins matchup here with Ken from the CEO of First Amendment Sports. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. And if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it is on the fence side. Solo D, take us home. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fence side. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fence side. Listen, Dolphins fans across the land all tuning in to see what Brian Cat and Paul about to do again. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.